1: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, player.fm, soundcloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the amazon.com or fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show.
2: More fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot scores!
1: Bobby Great work
3: soft circle, to the right of Reggie Linland, buying it down, and Whitmore
1: blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron, he takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar, the snapshot, over to Rossi, it's loose, and Bergeron scores!
3: Happy New Year, uh, Bruins fans, and welcome back to episode 78 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. Um, it's 2018. Uh, it is a balmy uh, minus 15 in the, at the studios in Amesbury, Massachusetts uh, court. Uh, I, I really don't want to ask how cold it is up in your area.
2: Hey, at least you did it in the right temperature, right? You said minus 15. Very Canadian of you.
3: Well, (laughs) I'm going back to my American roots now and to tell you that that was the real feel. It is actually zero.
2: Yeah, so, (laughs) but but that makes no sense. See, it's minus 16 here and it feels like it's minus 24. I haven't been outside to uh, contest to this, but we have an extreme cold weather warning. Yeah. So, you know, we feel like we're in Buffalo right now.
3: We did too. Um, I, I, my truck almost did not turn over. I, I thought the battery was dead, but it turned over. I was able to go get a little breakfast and a, an extra large cup of coffee. Um, but, uh, so,
2: to, to make you feel better, Mark, it's minus 17 in Boston.
3: <laughs> oh, nice. See, yeah, I'm a little further north so That also. makes
2: sense. When it's cold, it's minus.
3: Yeah. It, it's like, wow. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Rob, uh, a great other co-host is uh is away again on pole and on vacation in poland so uh to take his spot today we've um uh, we want to welcome back spencer vachetta uh he does great work on youtube covering the bruins his uh, bfr videos um you can follow him at putt hockey on hockey onto twitter you can also follow his writings and his videos at the black and gold hockey blog.com spencer welcome back sir
4: Thank you very much. Uh, glad to be here and uh, hoping to get 2018 off to a better start than 2017 could have possibly ended.
3: How's school going, by the way?
4: Oh, you know, uh, I, I haven't failed out yet, so that's positive.
3: <laughs> There's always a right, uh, step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, we uh, we brought you on to talk some uh, Bruins hockey, and I know that you're going to bring a little bit of analytical uh, knowledge to the program too, which I'm very excited about. But uh, we always start in with um, what happened last week uh, in Bruins Nation, and what a shocker! I don't have it up, but uh, uh, we were we were four and one. Yeah, last week it was only three games last week.
2: Oh, sorry, M1, I'm talking one, about I'm talking two. about since our podcast. Anyways, go.
3: Oh. But uh, it's all right. It's a new year, new problems. <laughs> um, December, the last week of December, the Boston Bruins uh, beat the Ottawa Senators five to one uh, in a thrilling game, and and the first game that this team has actually seen each other since the uh, the playoffs. And and what a way to 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 thrill the home crowd um, and and beat the Senators just pretty much outright. Um, uh exciting game. I really enjoyed it. Uh the next night was in Washington and uh wasn't such a great game in my opinion, but um got a point. Uh you know, if you can scratch a point away uh, out of a team like the Capitals uh in their home turf uh it's it's a decent effort, but the two the two points to me was a little more important. And what, the other thing about that is that I just want to beat Washington just once. You know, it's just – it's crazy. I think it's 11 games now, maybe 12, that we haven't beaten them. So, And then the answer
2: – do you know that number? I think it's 12.
3: I believe it is too. Um, I'm and,
2: sure someone will tell Mark later when we got it wrong.
3: Yeah, Right. Email me at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Uh, and to end the week, uh, it was another – game against the Senators, which was Saturday night, uh, December 30th, with a 5 denunciation shot-out. Um, Tukor Rass stood on his head and uh, got a lot of comp- contributions from the guys in front of him uh, with another solid effort. So, I mean, I really, I thought it was a decent week. You know, you go 2 and one you get a point out of the Washington, but you, you end the year on a, on a very, very positive note and... As of right now, the team is 21-10-6. Uh, uh, yeah. And f- go ahead.
2: For the month, month of December, 9-2-2, two, and two, with a 3.54 goals per game. Team goals against average of 1.95. Power play is at 20.5, and the penalty kills at 82.5. Outscored would their opponents 23-10 to 10 in the third period,
3: so in the month of December. Boom. That is impressive. And that goals per... A number that three point is is the highest I've seen it in a long time since since
2: the last since they won the president's cup when they were and I think I, I was telling you Mark they have um, the highest anybody is in the top fifty in scoring is thirty eight
3: crazy which is
2: which is Pasternak which is crazy when you think about how the scoring is spread I think Marshan was interviewed after I think it was the Washington Dame but I could be wrong when they were asking about the scoring. And he said, "Well, I'm glad because they hadn't because the first line hasn't scored, but they had played well. Um, it's just one of those things. Um, they haven't been able to put the puck in the ocean in the last little bit, but they've had tons of shots. But they also haven't been scored on since they became a line five on five. It's just crazy."
3: Yes, Spencer. What do you think about the uh, the games last week and um, and pretty much uh, the the start of the 2017-18 season?
4: Uh, I got to put the the Washington game. Up primarily on cassidy's shoulders um i I think that the deployment late in the game was a little suspect uh i think that there was no reason for him to challenge uh what he challenged it was almost it it was there wasn't a chance in hell it was going to be a an overturned call it was very clearly still on sides um and he missed the chance to challenge on the earlier goal from Eller that might have even gone his way. And then Tory Crew didn't see the ice starting like five minutes left to go in the game.
3: Yes. Why? Riley Ash.
4: Riley Nash as your third shooter in the shootout with the skill guys you have on this roster. Oh okay, okay, Bruce. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's he's like he's got some sort of fascination with Riley Nash that I have yet to figure out at, to this point. Um, because as I have said numerous times in my videos, the man d- does not understand how to offense very often. Um, apart from his game, the game of his life uh, last week in the first Ottawa matchup, but I, I mean, coincidentally, I do believe that the start of December was when this team was finally healthy again. Uh, So perhaps this is what this team actually is. I think that would be the argument there is that the young guys have started to find their way uh, and they're being trusted more and more. They found some really, really competent lines and they're rolling. They're rolling teams because they can't, teams can't keep up with the depth that fourth line in particular is fantastic i love the shower corrali achari line that they do not give up on the puck and they are a pain to play against yeah now
2: counter argument to the riley nash and also i i did a little digging into um how the play is reviewed and who gets this so The coach has to rely on his coaching staff. So it's the whole coaching staff's fault on the whole play calling. I understand that uh, Cassidy is the coach and he's going to fall on a sword and take the blame. Um, But if you guys did notice with a lot of the articles that came out after, not money mentioned, not many um, reporters mentioned the whole call because I don't think he even allowed the question to even be answered. Um, And Riley Nash, six for 13 career, 46%, 46 46.2 in the shootouts. Going into that game, he had two goals and one assist that that night. So, I'm sorry, but I do not think it was a bad call for Riley Nash. He played the hot hand. I understand everybody was screaming at their television saying McAvoy's two for two, but I think I believe I said it to you, Mark, that was like when Team Canada put Ray Bork in the shootout. God forbid I mentioned Ray Bork's name in a bad way, but oh my God, Wayne Gretzky's sitting on the bench, and you had Ray Bork, who's the All-Star Skills Competition champion, in the shootout.
3: Hey, wasn't the bench boss Pat Quinn at the time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, God rest his soul, I believe, Pat I Quinn.
2: Believe, I believe it was, or it was Mike Keenan. I can't remember because it was, I believe it was Nagano. Not, yeah, it was Nagano, I think. Right. we were playing the check, But I, it's just a counter argument, just solely based on the numbers. Riley Nash isn't that bad in a shootout, and he was the hot hand. You would think usually that works. And plus, as I've said to many people, we don't know, we don't see practice. So Cassidy knows who's actually good on breakaways. It's just like past has been good, but he actually doesn't have that great of a percentage in shootouts. He's been good this year, but before that, he wasn't that great. It is what it is. It's weird. We all knew Ovechkin was going to score. Um, it's unfortunate, but he's a generational hockey player. Just wanted to play devil's advocate. I, I agree with you, Spencer, that the coaching staff, I think, did lose the game. Um, but it is what it is. They, I felt it was a great – you you can pull some positives out of it. Spencer said, that fourth line played amazing the third line is just uh, they're just unreal they're that just third unreal. line shredding teams right now yeah just unreal
3: well the um the week the week ahead uh starts tomorrow night in um oh jeez i don't even know where they're playing now they're still, Islanders. still yeah Islanders. no i knew that but is it it's the Barclays cuz i keep thinking about the their their new stadium that they're gonna build, which is it's on Long Island, but yeah
2: for our Canadian fans in the month of January, almost every single game is a televised game across Canada. it's unbelievable. only four games aren't. That's awesome the whole month of January for us that's just awesome. out of twelve games
3: Ooh. Now now is that is that just is that for you in the Toronto area or is that ca- no, uh, ca-
2: no. that's 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 when it's the Boston game. Yeah. Um, depending on who they're playing So the Islanders is on Sportsnet Which is that's tele- nationally televised okay. um, The Florida game is on Sportsnet 360 That'll be televised The Montreal game, Sportsnet Like The fact that I know people were complaining But I was so happy to have my Saturday night game Be Hockey Night in Canada, the Bruins that's I don't awesome. get that very often So I know everybody loves their nesting But I'm real sorry I, I really enjoy the guys on Hockey Night in Canada They, well, they kind of are a little bit better Okay,
3: they're a lot of it better. Than the <laughs> I, I, yep. I'm just, I'm just real thrilled for the uh, our Canadian listeners and and our friends that we know on social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter. Uh, there's such a huge, huge Bruins following um, in your area, of Court. I know you're overrun by blue and white, but um, especially in the Maritimes, yes, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and and New Brunswick, that area, it, they're all diehard. So. Uh, it's good for them to get that many games uh, nationally televised up there. So uh, it's going to be an exciting week. Yeah, uh, and,
2: and it be a definite four for four. I really, I, I just, I know Pittsburgh is the Sunday game, but I really feel the way they're playing, the only game that's actually going to give them trouble, and that's just, just my opinion, is the the game against Florida. Yeah, because for some reason, Florida. They, they've been playing better hockey right now, so I don't want them to go in thinking that, you know, to, to not anticipate a good rival. I think the Islanders are a very good hockey team, but I think the Bruins can beat them, and they're both going to be coming in after a break, so that's great. Carolina should be a win, but as we all know, for some reason they beat us. But I want a 4-4. Four for four. I, I just want a 4 in a week.
3: Oh, yeah. Just just the way that they're going right now and the, the way they ended 2017 walking into 2018 it's it, it is the midseason but you're also thinking it's a fresh start uh, we, we are getting down to uh, down to playoff time believe it or not I mean it's it, it's you snap your fingers this season's gonna be over as soon as possible and I hate to rush it but the and other we got a
2: stupid bye week coming up
3: and that's I, that's one thing I did want to bring up before we went on to uh, our punch list of topics is you got the four games and I'm gonna consider Sunday's game this week just because of this stupid uh, by week, um, yeah, I was gonna suggest we do the
2: show on Monday.
3: Yeah, that's fine. Um, but um, where do you where do you? Uh, I know I'm just trying to breathe here. Um, what do you do with goaltending? I mean, I mean, is it do you do like um, a rask on on the Islanders on Tuesday and then Hudo open on Thursday and then rask on Saturday?
2: No, I give I give. Rask, Rask, Hudobin, Rask against Pittsburgh because he, as as, as the Rask haters would hate to hear, Rask owns the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, owns them. Now Carolina, Hudobin actually is, is played decent against the the. He's played de, he's played very well against the very good clubs. This will be the first time they will throw him in against a club that's not that good. Right. Um, you know it, it it might play to his advantage with his his non-rebound control that he throws off all over the place. Carolina is Carolina's a young team. Um, but I would definitely have, you have Tuesday and then you have Thursday. So that means Rask can play both games, have a good rest. And then you can even give him a better rest that he won't play from Thursday till Sunday. It was just like when we were, we were talking about the, the lineup for last week and everybody was losing their mind against Washington that Rask wasn't playing. I was like, I would so rather have Rask playing in the game against Ottawa. And we called
3: that I'd too, be. by the way.
2: Yeah. It just weighed way, way more sense. The two Ottawa games were were divisional games. No offense to everybody. I know you want to beat Washington, but who cares? Yeah, The, the big game this week is Thursday against the Panthers. You want Raskin net.
3: One of the reasons why I wanted to touch on this is because of that break uh, next week. Um, and then, then what do you do about the workload? Because it's coming down to uh, not only trade deadline conversation. I know we're not talking about trading goaltenders. I wouldn't do that. But... You know, it's it's where do you put Hudobin and Rask and and the workload as you're coming down because you're in the playoffs right now, and and I'm 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 definitely assuming that this team is definitely going to make it. So where do you That's put that? Why the, that Florida game is huge, right? And but where do you put the burden on? Is this a, is it? Uh, you know, you got you have the week that you give Rask and and Hudobin rest, but you know what's the what's the differential that you're going to you're going to give four these games. goaltenders, you know.
2: Four games. So every four games, Hudobin plays one of those four.
3: Right down to the, right down I, to I, the end of April, right?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good strategy. It's just my opinion. I don't know what Spencer thinks about it, but I think it's a good strategy that every four games, you throw Hudobin in one of them, so then Hudobin never gets cold. Ross gets his break, and you can always try and work it out, like especially this week coming up. You know, if Hudobin goes in on the Saturday, that means that Ross played on the Thursday and has, that, has those couple days extra rest. He gets his mindset, he still gets to watch a game, so on the Saturday, and you go into that double-header game where they played the night before, and now they're going into Pittsburgh on the Sunday, and Rask is rested.
4: Yeah, I I think that that's that's a reasonable strategy to go with. Uh, Khudobin's been solid enough. Uh, He's terrifying to watch play play goalie, but uh, he's been solid enough that I think that you can trust him with a game every four games at minimum. Um, and rest when necessary. If there's a question about Rask, if he's if you think he's getting tired, if he if he's nicked up or something, don't hesitate to to sit him an extra game and give Hu a start because I, i'm with I'm with Mark on this. This team is very likely going to be a playoff team. The Atlantic is such absolute garbage behind boston and and Toronto um, that they really aren't going to get a lot of competition for those. Those final two playoff spots, um, I mean, you look at the the week coming out of the bye week, you play Montreal three times in eight days. Now, that, there's your question. You have Montreal three
2: times. I was, I was hoping, to, I don't think, and, you know, the fans will lose their mind because they're all like, Ross doesn't win the big games. You can't have Ross play all three games against Montreal. So that Dobie, Dobin's going to play one of the games against Montreal. Because you, gonna... you, you have a week span where you, you're
4: going to have to put him in. He's gonna end up playing that Wednesday game. That's what I was which, thinking. If you look which at is probably I. I'm gonna check now. Yeah, it's it's the actually it's the stupid it? Wednesday night rivalry, garbage.
2: I put I put I put Rask in on the Wednesday game, and then have Doby start. Oh no, yeah, you're right. Shoot, that's terrible. I was trying to get Rask more days in between, but it's just not gonna work.
4: No, it, it'll be Hudobin on that Wednesday. Which yeah. honestly doesn't bother me because Montreal can't score anyways. So, oh, see, don't say, we we try not to say things like that
2: because Montreal <laughs> sucks. But when we say stupid things, stupid things come back to haunt us.
4: Yeah. Oh, that it, that's the entire premise of my YouTube channel. <laughs>
2: oh, fair enough. <laughs> By and the way, if Montreal. If Montreal pulls that magic trade out, that they supposedly are going to trade a uh, a big lump of dump for uh, a scoring forward with with Pacioretty. um you know knowing Bergevin, he's just gonna trade Peceretti away and Pecheretti's gonna be the best player in the league
4: because that's what happens to Montreal so, yeah he, he's see. gonna he's gonna go to to la uh for the husk of Marion Gaverick and Dustin Brown and if that deal doesn't work add in Victor mete on the Canadiens' end and give them Curtis Curtis McDermott so that gives them some more grit on the back end, which they really apparently like, and some old aging scores with ludicrous contracts.
3: <laughs> that seems to be the Montreal way. But oh, hey, I
4: caught
2: Charles the dumpster fire.
3: Exactly. Um, uh, quick, quick, quick moment. Uh, Spencer, do you want to plug that YouTube channel?
4: Yeah, I actually, um, I shot the BFR for the second auto game uh, late yesterday. Uh, and I'm going to be editing that and releasing it sometime uh, midday today. Um, I've been doing BFRs, uh, so Bruins fan reactions. Um, for those of you that don't get the reference, that's a Steve Dangle reference. Um, basically reacting to as many of the Bruins games as I possibly can. Um, I do some new general news and notes. Um, when I have the time, I I really, it's a, it's an escape, escapism for me at school. Um, it's, it's fantastic to get my mind off of things. And it's funny because I'm an RA. So I had to warn my residents that if I'm in my room, which is a single, uh, yelling and screaming, um, I'm okay. I'm just (laughs) making a video. Um, it's, it's actually really entertaining. I'll just stick, uh, recording in progress on my, on my whiteboard. And they know that, they should come back in like 15 minutes and they'll actually be able to have a conversation um, but yeah you can find me on YouTube at uh, PuckNerd um, I link to that in my Twitter bio as well um, obviously you can check out the videos on Black and Gold uh, hockey blog uh, the BFR specifically um, I try to toss those up so that they get some more viewership and so that we get some more readers. Um, hopefully, there's a little bit of crossover there, but it, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. It, it. I get to be a little ridiculous. Um, I enjoy doing the little comedy bits that that I throw in there. Um, I think my favorite so far has been um, the secondary character that I've created, the the guy in the helmet with the Ireland <laughs> scarf. Yeah. Because why why not at this point? Um, so yeah, I I do it because I enjoy it and I hope that other people get some form of enjoyment out of it as well. But I hope that I'm analyzing the hockey at some level. So, you know,
3: it is, it is fun folks. And I, 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 encourage you to check it out. Uh, he does a fantastic job on the edits. Um, the sound quality and the video quality is really good and, I I just I, I I start laughing at the beginning of these things, you know. This is a puck, <laughs> you know what I mean. And it, it's it's really good, entertaining stuff. But you do dive into some really good hockey topics um, when you do them. So you know, congrats to you and and best of luck moving forward.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. I've I've gotten the uh, the black and gold bump uh, the last couple of months, up over a hundred uh, Twitter followers, which I never thought in a million years I'd have happen. Um, and I, every, every couple of weeks I'll get a couple of subscriber boosts from, um, from posting. So it, it's, I, I enjoy it and I appreciate, uh, that you guys have, have let me post those videos to the, to the site as well. Uh, I hope it diversifies the content and brings in a little bit of, uh, of extra stuff for you guys as well. So.
3: Absolutely. Um, speaking of infectious stuff, um, how about the controversy i don't even want to say it's a controversy but we're going to start getting into the topics of of the week and um and a lot of talk is about what's going on with Adam McQuaid um he, he's been seen at practices he's been practicing hard but remains to be out of the lineup now from a, a certain couple people that i talked to have said that he is he is a healthy scratch and other people say that he is still injured and he's waiting to come back. Um, and I've also heard from another person that when he says that he's almost ready to come back, that does mean that he's ready. It's just maybe the team is just telling him feed into it, you know what I mean? So if he is injured, which I doubt, is Grizzly going?
2: I, we talked about this before, Mark. I 100% think nope. Um, I think it's going to be um, Anders Bjork sent down to the Providence Bruins. Uh, it just makes sense. It worked for Danton Heinen last year. It's not going to be that you know Bjork's a bust and all that great stuff that you'll probably see all over social media because the RMG GMs know everything more than anybody else. I just think it makes way more sense to send Bjork down, waive Postma, if he gets claimed. He gets claimed. Not going to lose sleep over it, and have a rotation between Grizz and uh, McQuaid. A lot of people were like, "Oh, put Krug up in the up in the ninth floor." That makes no sense. well no, it does sure Spencer will Spencer will have many things to say about that after. Um, and uh, and Carlo going up there. I'm sorry, uh, Cassidy plays him way too much. He's not. He's not going to be the odd man out. The odd man out is going to be Grizz when McQuaid goes back in the lineup. But I 100. percent think that McQuaid is 100% healthy but if it ain't broke why mess with a good thing so it's for for roster positioning wise McQuaid's still on the IR it's easier to keep him on the IR so they don't have to make a decision right now
3: okay yeah they're
4: they're playing with some roster shenanigans right yeah, now just 100%. to just to just to keep keep him practicing and not have to worry about waving Postma who by the way I don't think I've noticed Paul Postma once this season even when he's dressed. So I'm more than comfortable losing him on waivers. He has not done anything to catch my eye at all in a game, positive or negative. Um, And Grislyk has been dynamic. He's been absolutely dominating play when he's on the ice. And I think that he's bringing out Kevin Miller's better side. Because I think if Miller's stuck playing with someone like a McQuaid, or Postma, I think he thinks he's has to be more defensive, more tough to play against, and I don't think he has to to be effective. I think that he's really started to find his two-way game, and he's, his skating ability has, has grown tremendously over the, the past six to eight months, and I've seen it in the last couple of games. He has shifts where he just thinks he's Bobby Orr, and he's skating the puck all over the place. He's doing laps around the zone he's uh, that rocket of a shot he had the other night um he's stepping up into the offense he's really starting to show a lot and i think Grizzlick being his partner is a big part of that i think it gives him a lot of confidence to start moving the puck
3: yeah and when, when when it talk about this topic with 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 people on social media i know sometimes it can be a little ridiculous because their fandom is so strong and they believe in such a a powerful thing and there's no doubt, I, I, I'm not a huge fan. I, I, I'll, I've admitted it many times, but I will, will recognize that if Adam McQuaid was in that lineup against the series against Ottawa, things might have changed. But here's the thing about this year, is Grizzly is playing a very good two-way transitional game outside the zone. And that is something that I believe the coaching staff and uh, Cassidy particularly have really worked hard on is once you get the puck you need to get it out no more back passes no more this and that and i i kind of feel that a player like mcquade is heavily favored because he knocks people down you know what i mean he just he fights and he blocks shots well there's other aspects of the game and the way that matt Grizzlick is playing is showing that those aspects that mcquade might not do as a as a you know, at McQuaid's possession numbers—I'm I'm not totally sure—but the last time I saw were just absolutely terrible. I mean, oh, he's—he's
4: but... he's horrendous. It's—it's it's not even funny. The article that I—I I posted yesterday on the uh, the Black and Gold Hockey Blog, there's a particular graphic at the end that compares all the Bruins skaters, and he—it's not even close with McQuaid. He is demonstrably. A detriment to his team on the ice and i completely agree with you on the physicality part i don't think there are many players in the nhl that are more frightening for opposing teams to play against than adam mcquade he is someone that literally will scare people by standing next to them on the ice i would not want to go anywhere near him but you hit the nail on the head mark the the transitional hockey is really where the league is headed, and that is Matt Grizzlick in a nutshell. He's fantastic transitionally. There are really three prototypes of defensemen that, that you want to look at. There's guys that are good at closing off uh, forwards and opposing players in their own zone. There's guys that can move the puck from their zone to the neutral zone. And there are guys that can push the play in the offensive zone. And you it's very rare to find someone that can do all three exceptionally well. I think Charlie McAvoy is trending towards that area. I don't think he's there yet. Um, I don't think Grizzlick is necessarily the best at defending in his own zone, but he's excellent at the, at the latter two. And McQuaid is marginal at best at defending in his own zone, but can't do anything else in the, the other two. Um, And the big thing about defense is that you don't need to hit someone to do it. You don't need to block shots to do it. I would actually argue that blocking shots is a negative because you're getting in the lane and screening your goalie. And weird deflections happen where it goes off of you and goes into the net because the goalie can't adjust. Or you're like Adam McQuaid, who every other season blocks a shot wrong and breaks something, which is not ideal either. I don't like injuries for anyone regardless of how I feel about them as as a player. That's that's it sucks. But it's it, you you got to understand that stick position and angling and understanding the game and thinking the game are just as if not more important than the physical aspects of defense. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, of fans miss when they're making their arguments about why McQuaid is it should be in this lineup.
3: All right, Spencer. I, I'm just—you're on a roll, and I can see that you, you needed to take a quick, quick breath. But um, uh, so let's just transition. Let's transition into uh, this. And um, why is everybody uh, like on the trade Krug way- bandwagon now?
4: Oh. <laughs> uh, because they. He's not the sexy Adam McQuaid type. If I'm being completely honest, that's what I think it is. I think Boston is is accustomed to the team that won in 2011, where they literally beat teams' faces in, uh, and they won the cup that way. Uh, they were skilled and speedy in parts of the lineup, but they their defense for the most part was, I'm going to bash your face in, and you're going to like it. Yeah. So, um,
3: so the 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 big bad Bruin mentality that. Um, is it just seems like it'll be forever embedded into this organization and fan base uh, is not going to give a player like Tory Krug a chance.
4: No, no. It, regardless of the fact that he has shown that he's willing to throw the body and he's willing to drop the gloves when necessary at his size uh, and he's, uh, he's kind of similar to a Jake Gardner um, where you look at him and he does some things in his own end that make you wonder what is going through your mind, but you have to take the the negative with the positive and the positive is too, too great to, to ignore his, his offensive ability and transitional ability is tremendous. It's it borderline top five in the league. Um, I, I wrote that article about, why Krug is a top-pairing defenseman, and it's true. He, offensively and transitionally, he is is absolutely an elite defenseman in this league. He's middle of the pack defensively, but he makes up for his lack of size with positioning and thinking the game. It's similar to Grizzly. You think the game at a high level, you're going to be successful. It's because when he makes a mistake, it's because he's trying things. That's what I see, is when he makes a big mistake or fans start... Ramping up the trade Krug idea, it's because he's trying to do something different or risky, and it doesn't pay off. And fans are quick to flip the switch, and he's not doesn't fit their their stereotype of of a defenseman. So let's get rid of him.
3: That's good. Well said. Um, Cool. You got anything to add on that? No. All right. Uh, moving on to the, ne- the next t- topic, um, and actually, quite, you touched on this the other, the other day, or was it last night, but uh, you did mention something about um, um, the top line and the, and the lack of offensive production, but the team, I mean, those three up there are still playing really, really well.
2: Yeah, they they haven't been scored on five on five as, since they became a line. I'm trying to figure out. I think it's like 12 games, but I'm trying to figure out the exact number um, because it's 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 hard to find to try and figure out. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I have I have a daughter and I I tried to do my stats, but I just couldn't do it. Um. So I'm sure someone can tell me after. But they haven't been scoring. But at the same time. They've been a force to any line because Cassie's still using him to check some of the top lines of, this, of these teams. He's putting them out there, and and it's allowing Pasternak, from my perspective, to learn because I'm still seeing Pasternak every now and then do that lazy turn. I hate seeing it. I, I love Bergeron's stop and start, and Marchand does a stop and start every now and then. Pasta does that turn where I just scream at my TV, but it's allowing Pasta to do those things with the puck, which he's good at. He, he does. He plays with the puck and. If he screws up, and fans will jump all over him on Twitter within a second, he still has Bergeron and Marchand all the way at the back. And Bergeron's still scoring. Uh, he's also getting a penalty every game. I don't I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, um, I that's about you know. it last time. it's Yeah, it's happening every game. But I'm calling them phantom penalties because every time I see one, I, do, I don't understand it. Um, it. It is what it is. But, hey, if they're winning and he's getting penalties, then I'm okay with it. But it's also Marchand, I'm noticing, is looking for the pass before the shot. And that's not... The old Martian.
3: Yeah, that's that's definitely crazy. new.
2: Yeah, it's it's something new that I've been seeing.
3: Um, and and speaking of the scoring now, Krejci's back, and it just seems like everybody seems to like breathe a little bit easier with him back in the lineup. Um, but also, I got to touch on how the um, how the secondary power play has been playing lately, also. And, uh, and how Cassidy uh, put Spooner on that line with Krejci. And, and that's becoming really effective, especially the, other, uh, the last game when uh, Spooner got two goals.
2: Well, we've been saying this since the beginning of the year. When Krejci's in the lineup, the team plays better. Yeah. As much as everybody freaks out, if you actually really look at it, this is pretty much the first year Krejci's actually been really injured um, throughout the season and been injury-prone because a lot of times his injuries come at the end of the year. Uh, and, he, and he's getting surgery over the off offseason. Uh, but Spooner has just been playing so well, you can't take him out of the lineup. Um, it, it bodes for Frank for Toronto to, as of right now, never get back in the lineup. And, and same with Andres Bjork. That's why I think Bjork would serve better down in Providence than watching the games. Just my opinion. Just because with Spooner playing so well and uh, Krejci back in the lineup you don't want to mess with anything. Like the, the whole, if it ain't broke, but at the same time, you have to have Crecci in the lineup. That allows them to have, right now you have, as and as Hockey Night in Canada said it, the Boston Bruins first line, Elliot Freeman said it, they all said it. That line is the most dominant line in the NHL. And yeah. then you have a line with Crecci, Spooner, and, and DeBrusque that's playing great. I love the way the two-way game from DeBrusque, and he likes to play with the puck a bit. Then you have that third line, and then you have that fourth line, which you can't touch because they're playing so well.
3: Yeah, all those guys—Kiprios, McLean, um, um, Elliot Friedman, L- Friedman, and the other guy that—that that is the host. Um, I don't remember his. Oh, uh, Dan, Don Millard? Uh,
2: uh Darren Millard. Darren, Darren, Darren. It's usually Ron McLean, but anyways,
3: right. But they've—they've um, uh, they've all been saying that the the Bruins have just been playing so well, and 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 putting the puck in the net, and and the way Cassie's been coaching, so. When, when you hear it from guys like that, uh, you, you know that this team is is something special and something's going on right now. So
2: And, and, and they dropped the Tuca elite bomb. So I'm just, just throwing that out for anybody who was listening on Hockey Night in Canada. They were like, well, Tuca Rouse is a elite goalie in the NHL. So it's going to be tough. And Dion Phaneuf said it before the game in his interview. Right. Tuca Rouse is one of the elite goalies in the league. It's hard to score on. So it's going to be a tough game. That was his post-game interview. was it wasn't coming from us. Sorry, people.
3: Just feeding spoonfuls every day to <laughs> the haters.
2: Well, and also Doug McLean was on Hockey Central saying, I know I know, Leaf fans are going to get mad. Maybe our ratings will go down, but I'm going to talk about the Boston Bruins. So,
3: Yeah, I remember that. Great. I listened to their podcast. They do a great job.
2: Yeah, so it was good. It's good to see. For me down here, Boston Bruins are now on the radio and on TV again.
4: Yeah, it, for the uh, the Marshawn Bergeron-Posternock line, they played 22 games together uh, this year at 5-on-5. Five five. Ten goals four. Zero against. Uh, They're running at a 60.68 Corsi percentage, which means they're controlling three-fifths of the shot attempts while they're on the ice, which is ludicrous for a line to go that long. And then you mentioned that second line. Uh, I've liked what I've seen out of Bjork, Spooner, DeBrusque when they were together and Krejci was out, but now that Krejci's back, DeBrusque is, is... Really good. like i I've ha- tried to hammer this home in the last couple of weeks. Heinen and Debrusque in particular, need to be getting more more talk for the Calder because the two of them have been brilliant. Debrusque is, is fifth in uh, overall rookie scoring if you if you account for time on ice. that's that's ludicrous. He's third in goals in that state.
2: That and if you look, last game they had uh, the second second power play unit was the first power play unit.
4: Yeah, because they're more effective. They're not passing the puck around looking for the perfect shot.
3: That's a good point. Um. So now that the uh, the year, 2017 year is in, in in our rear window and moving forward, um, into 2018 and. So, I mean, last year, we, the, the Bruins made the first round of the playoffs. I want to know what your expectations at this, you know, it's it's not the midway point of the year, but, I mean, does this team have the potential to make a serious run as you look at it right now?
2: Yes. If they're playing the way they're playing right now, yes, 100%. You I, I, I don't even have to look at it. the way they're playing right now, 100% serious i still see the roadblock is tampa bay um right now they're my stanley cup champs but that's just the way that team has been playing they've been playing already still even though boston's playing the way they are and i'm boston bias tampa's still a better hockey club but we are tampa's kryptonite so that could be a good thing but our first round right now will be against our kryptonite which is the toronto maple leafs right I know the washington capitals are kryptonite but i don't worry about them until having to try and go to the finals
3: yeah if his bruins you just get by the f- first round i'm sure the, the the capitals won't make it long yeah, after right that, now so. we would
2: have we'd have home ice advantage against the capitals am i correct with the standings um we have washington has 51 points we no, they have we have 48 okay if yeah. we would it would be yeah it was go ahead spence incorrect
4: yeah no i i think i think court court's right on the money there i think that they they a they're absolutely a playoff team um i think that they play in the weakest division in the league um it, one could argue for the uh the pacific but i think that it's honestly the atlantic um i think that because the Metro is so stupid deep, um, they're going to beat the crap out of each other uh, in the first round, and whoever comes out of the Boston-Toronto series is going to have an easier matchup because of that, and I think that Boston is better than Toronto. I think that they're deeper um, defensively. I think that they are better in their own end by miles, uh, and I think that they have stronger goaltending. So yes, they are technically their Kryptonite, but to any Leafs fans, um, Game Seven. Bergeron, <laughs> <laughs> <case, I> Bergeron, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I think that I think that honestly, I can see them rolling all the way at least to ooh, the second round, probably to the third. Uh, and then there's no chance in hell anyone gets by Tampa because Tampa is stupid good.
2: See, Boston, um, I think, is the one team that can beat them because we are their kryptonite
4: huge. Like not even a little bit, a lot of it. But like I said before, they're unbelievable. Tampa's unbelievable. Yeah, they're they're not fair. They're like on a level where some of their prospects even would be NHL players in the top six of other teams in the NHL.
2: Yeah, it, it's not the perfect storm of last year. That if we're healthy, I could have saw the Boston. I said it at the beginning to Mark. I could have saw the Boston Bruins getting to the finals. That's oh, how weak, definitely. That's how weak the Eastern Conference was. Boston Bruins could have made the finals, but it is what it is. They got to get by Toronto first. I just want home ice advantage,
4: and I'll just live in a shell and not talk to
2: any of my friends until the series is over.
4: <laughs> oh, I, I, I want it just for the entertainment value because I think that. The back and forth between Leafs fans and Bruins fans is going to be hilarious. Oh
3: yeah, and and very dangerous for a Bruins fan living in a Toronto area.
4: Oh,
3: <laughs> sorry, terrible. but sorry, but it's
4: gonna be
2: it's gonna be
3: terrible. Um, gonna... We got uh, three topics to uh, touch on uh, left on the punch list uh, agenda, um, but one of them we wanted to talk about was is regarding the. Um, when, when when somebody lays a clean hit uh, I'm finding that this year maybe last year too that the response from a teammate is very quick to judge like it was it was dirty but when you look at it most of these hits are all clean um, I, I, I commend a ton of credit for people like Schaller. Um I mean, I, I, that hit against Achari was kind of nasty, in my opinion.
4: Oh, that was dirty. Yeah, it was. It was definitely dirty. I, I think that the NHL probably should have suspended him longer, but that's that's a whole nother can of worms with player safety. So, but
3: um, uh, I, I kind of forgot what I was where I was going. But there was one hit last um last week that a player got hit and it was clean hit but then immediately somebody came in and dropped the gloves and then but my point is, where I'm trying to go with this is the instigating penalty and and being shorthanded on on a clean hit is is kind of costly in my opinion and like and like I said I really do appreciate when somebody stands up for something this game is very fast so it's a split decision when you when you know you have to make a quick quick time and say that guy took liberties on my on my friend and my teammate i should do something about it but it just seems like they're doing it for good intentions but they could like leave their team you know in a bad bad situation
2: well especially with the with the uh, the 5 minute major we could have had a 5 minute power play yeah it, it Here's the way I look at it. It's unfortunate. It's the old written law in the NHL and, and in hockey. You go after the guy that takes liberties on your guy. Unfortunately, what should be, you know, cemented into this law is wait till your next shift. Yeah. Because if you wait till your next shift, there's no instigation penalty, and you guys are just going. Agreed. I have no problem with the fighting. Um, I, I still say in the next five years it will no longer be in the NHL. I apologize to all the people that think the big bad Bruins should be fighting out there. They shouldn't. Um, it's proven. You know, they they actually should just be playing hockey. Uh, but uh, yeah, wait till your next shift. It's unfortunate you can't because as soon as you get in a fight, like even in um, I think it was the Shalor fight, the other guy, the other guy, the, the guy knew it was going. He dropped his gloves first. So how are we getting instigation penalty? I think it was Spencer who said it on uh, Twitter. Isn't the, or no? It was Colin Beswick. The instigation was the hit, wasn't it? So shouldn't they be getting the instigator penalty for the dirty hit? That's just yeah. in my opinion.
4: Yeah, that, that that one in particular really really irked me because A, if you take the hit out entirely, the two of them dropped their gloves simultaneously. They looked at each other, agreed to go, and dropped the gloves at the same exact time. That in itself is not instigating. On top of that, you gave the guy that made the hit a five minute major and a game misconduct. You cannot call that instigating in that sense. He made a dirty play, the NHL agreed that it was dirty, suspended him, yet you're giving him an instigator. I think the hit that you're referring to, Mark, might might have been the Orpik hit. Um where Corrali went after him and Orpik kinda looked like he was he didn't want anything to do with him. Um, it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he doesn't like fighting anyways. So I think that was that might have been the one that that you were thinking of. I, I agree with Court that if you waited to the next ship there's no instigator. I think the refs really need to grow a backbone sometimes and and call.
3: Whoa,
2: whoa, <laughs> Spencer uh, from 2017, people.
3: Spencer come back into the hole.
2: Spencer's gone. <laughs> Stop speaking, Spencer. <laughs> you stop speaking.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Shoveling away. Shoveling away.
3: There you go. All right. He's back. Well, the black hole is closed. Mark, <laughs> enough with the science talk. I'm sorry. I'm a science guy, but it was no, just... No, you're not. <laughs> um, all right, we'll just move on to the next topic. Uh, um. Let's. We got to talk about the 2018 uh, World oh. Juniors and and how it's going so far. Uh, what a great tournament! I really get up for this. Uh, this these types of things. Whether uh, these kids are drafted or draft eligible, uh, you really get a sense of what the future is looking like, and uh, it's it's just amazing uh, the talent. But more or less, I really wanted to talk about that outdoor game, um, and and. Perfect. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I knew you'd like this one, (laughs) Claude.
2: I just think it's so stupid that they had an outdoor hockey game that actually mattered, Yeah, tournament style. Like, come on, people.
3: I'm just really happy that it wasn't a final. That would have been disastrous. It,
2: it, It doesn't matter whether it's a final or not. Like, you know, Canada still got first place in the division. But I still think, are you absolutely that greedy with the money factor that you had to put a game that mattered Outdoor in a tournament, right? All right. Yeah, are you on crack like yes. have an exhibition game before the tournament? Yeah, the, put them outdoors if you're really that greedy for your money instead you gave us this It turned out to be a fun game to watch solely because the US came back But before that it was absolutely garbage and Canada lost it on a stupid play on hitting a guy from a Boston Bruins prospect if, Ryan Lincoln just, just had a target on his back saying hey, please hit me from behind. That's what it was like I, I did notice every single time he got hit from behind, he was laughing on the ice. So he obviously uh, was happy about the outcome of the penalties. But come on, throwing an outdoor hockey game at a World Junior and making it matter—what a joke!
3: Yeah, I wasn't. The, the whole thing. I mean, it was. It was. They sold what? I think they said forty thousand uh attended um it, you
2: know your game ever blah, 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 blah. exactly you know how I feel about outdoor games i think they're all absolutely horseshit it's just oops there we go i i said it that's right outdoor hockey game is horseshit i don't yeah. care you can have the pundits say they're fun i've been to two you know what they're not that fun they're fun to be at the hockey is absolute garbage the viewpoint is absolute garbage even watching it on tv is garbage i'm sorry i think it is garbage so, it's just a money-grabbing greedy greedy play
3: so you're not going to watch today's game at 1 o'clock, are you?
2: Oh, no. 100% I watched the game. It's just I, right. I, I'm going to watch hockey. It's just <laughs> unfortunate it's not going to be good hockey. It it sucks. Like, look at the AHL game last year. It was in
4: the rain.
1: Yeah. Come oh, on, oh, yeah. no,
4: the... I'm with you. It's, it, I think the ice quality yesterday was potentially the worst of any of the uh, the outdoor games we've seen in recent memory. The, the ice <laughs> oh, was terrible.
2: Gosh. Buffalo Pittsburgh, yeah. The fact that the game took that long because they had to fix the ice every two seconds. Come on,
3: yeah. It was so bad. Um, how about the, uh, how about the Bruins prospects that, that have, are involved in this and participating? Um, like, uh, Yuna know, Uh, he's been playing. He's had a solid tournament. Oscar- oh, can I
2: also say before you get into this? I know everybody on Twitter was trashing all Canadians and lumping it in. Grow up people. Second of all, in Canada, we were saying the US is favored to win this tournament. So like all this stuff all over everything, I understand, you know, the Americans love giving themselves a reach around when they beat us in hockey. But I, I congratulations, but seriously, <laughs> peace sportsmanship. You people are embarrassing sometimes. I'm yeah. an American as well, and I was embarrassed. The stuff I was seeing on social media, I'm like, come on, people, calm down. Just seriously, the upset? No, U.S. should have beat Canada. They should actually win this tournament. If they don't, that's the problem.
3: Yeah, the uh, well, I'm gonna go in now because you got me riled up. Uh, the
2: U.S. should win the tournament for sure. They're the better team.
3: There were there were a few play, uh, people that I no longer associate with that were sending uh, messages and and posts about. Um. How just trashy we as a country are, and 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 in uh, the hockey, and I have huge amounts of respect for people like you, Court, and 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 a lot of citizens, all the citizens of Canada. Um, and, and no way was I firing back. I was I was more or less uh gravitating to the three individuals that were trying to bust my nuts, and but they weren't doing it in a in a in a, in a funny, you know. U.S. versus Canada way, it was, it was real trashy, and I, and I, I'm sorry that I said a couple of things, but I, I'm not backing down on, 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 uh, giving it to people that deserve it, so.
2: Hey, sometimes, you'd be the bigger person is just to say nothing and be like, all right, if you want to be an embarrassment, it's just like, you know, there's a certain someone in the United States who embarrasses himself every day, and we just all just, just laugh and just leave it alone.
3: Right.
4: Yes, well, you also live, live in Canada, so. You, yeah. you can you can afford to laugh a little more sometimes?
3: <laughs> right. Um, well, as
2: I said to someone, I was like, you know, just don't lump a whole country in it. Some people in Canada are nice. Some people are assholes. Yeah. It is what it is. Some people are ignorant. Some people are not. Um. Some people love hockey, and some people are Habs fans. Just it is what it is.
4: So this that can just describe humans. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I was gonna say that it's it's not it shouldn't be a nationality thing. It's good hockey. Uh, yeah. Well. I wouldn't call the outdoor game hockey, but no. it, it it tried to be hockey. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of the the vitriol that goes on after some of these international events, or and I, not even international, just a Canadian team playing a U.S. team in the NHL. And, like and I, one of those games, it's stupid.
2: Yeah, like I love these people, but like I dare you to go say that to your favorite player, Patrice Bergeron's face. Right. Come on now. Or a Brad Marchand's face.
3: It won't happen. Oh. but uh, just just touching back on uh, on Bruins related players that were, are in this tournament. Um, There's a lot of good things to see. Ryan Lindgren's a truck. He's absolutely can can just smash people and, and and a leader
2: leader on the ice. Yeah,
3: huge. Uh, uh, Finland Uuno I always hack his name. Sorry about that. Uh, Oscar Steen, a uh, little crafty player. He's been playing good. Your home, uh, yep. Uh, for you, buddy. thank you, pal. What an, always there. Um, <laughs> Trent Frederick, uh, has been, um, you know, hasn't really shown a lot, but, uh, uh the game, uh, yesterday, uh, really came through with a really nice goal. Um, I haven't seen, uh, anything from Jeremy Swayman. I didn't expect to, I think Jake Ottinger and, uh, Jared Wool were going to run with this, uh, the whole tournament, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, is that it? Yeah, there's only six. Yeah, okay.
2: Which, which they're second for the amount of for a team with the the most guys there. I oh yeah, I saw a stat. The Bruins have a lot of guys there.
4: Yeah,
3: and, yeah. It, and it's good. I mean, this international play is just good for them and their resume. Uh, it, it's good character build, um, and you know, I expect that these guys when they return to their either their junior teams or college teams, um, you know. Uh, you know, step up the game a little bit more and uh down the stretch to the end of the season so it's, it's an exciting tournament and I, oh yeah i've always enjoyed it it's going on to the fifth in buffalo so um uh, if you have any any chance uh watch these games so
4: yeah i think that i think i said it last year after the after the yeah. tournament as well we need to pay more attention to oscar steen he is i really really like him as a player uh, he fits the the new era NHL. He is very difficult to hit, to get off the puck. He's intelligent and he is so quick. He looks like a player, like a legitimate top six NHLer. And I'm gonna keep pumping that bandwagon until he shows up in Bruins uniform. I said I
3: said the same thing, um, and I know courts heard this a couple times uh, in, in 2016. At, at the development camp in Wilmington, Mass. This was before they went to the Warrior in um, in Brighton. Um, I saw him on several occasions, and if, if, if look look up on uh, Elite Prospects, Steen is not a very tall person. So when he came down on a one on one drill, and I know this is just development camp, he, you know, you still did a show, but you might not be a hundred percent trying. But he really gave it to uh a player like brandon carlo and i'm not saying uh physicality i'm talking outworked him outplayed him and f- made him look absolutely silly on several occasions so uh the skill sets there uh he's got great um hockey iq uh real fast he's he's that type of um four checker that uh pj axelson was if i had to compare a guy and uh actually i'm i'm looking to get pj on the show uh soon i'm trying to work on that we'll see what happens but um, i know he's a busy guy and so on but um i that's who i compare him to it's just, it's just a real fast guy crafty and, and a steady four-checker. Whether he makes the NHL in a Bruins uniform, that remains to be seen, but he's going to add a certain amount of uh, character to uh, the developing depth, uh, even in the American Hockey League. If he stays down there for a couple of years. Uh, you know, he's... I, to me, players that are drafted you know, don't necessarily have to be in the NHL at a certain amount of time. If they're in the organization, in all three levels, they, they fit a purpose, so... Uh, that's just the way i see it but um the last question and this is pretty much just a a random thing but uh, it's 2018 and it's a new year and i'm really excited about where the show's going and uh, where we've come from Uh, we've got great hosts uh, court and rob uh, great guests includes uh, spencer and, uh, and a lot of other people so but I want to know what your Bruins-related New Year's resolution is.
2: Ooh, Spencer, I'm going to let you go first.
0: <laughs>
4: oh, oh, that's how it's yeah. going to be.
0: Okay. No, 100%. It's, it's You're the
3: guest, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh,
4: um, New Year revolution? Resolution? Blah, words? English? Um, I'm I'm going to say that... Ryan Spooner gets dealt at the draft. Ooh. I think that he's, I think that he is going to, he's at the point where he's on a one-year deal. It doesn't make a lot of sense to resign him and have guys pushing to make this roster. I think that you can afford to move him, but he's going to be moved at the draft because they want to keep him for the entire season. I think that Sweeney wants to have a guy like him that can move up and down the lineup a little bit and give speed and work on that power play and bring some veteran play where to balance out the DeBrusks and the high of the world um, through the playoffs. I think that he's, he's here through the playoffs and then they're going to move on from him in some form or fashion, probably trade at the, at the draft.
2: And so my New Year's Boston resolution would be uh, to be very adamant that the Bruins should not trade anybody on this current roster right now. We don't need to add in. I don't. I don't know what it is. It seems to be the flavor of the week every now and then. People are like, oh, you know, Wayne Simmons was the flavor for a bit. Thank God we dodged the bullet on Matt Duchesne. Um, they don't need to make this big trade. Like, no offense to people or nothing, but. I keep people saying, it's better to win now. It's not better to win now. It's better to win over, win a couple years in a row. Like let's let's build a dynasty. Let's a, a dynasty would just be you know two or three years in a row. But let's build something. Let's not throw it all away just to win one Stanley Cup this year. It, it makes no sense to me.
3: Mine is to uh, be healthy, uh, to have a, a complete healthy team. As we have seen now that members are coming back and you're seeing this this team gel create chemistry and really play for one each uh for for each other so and 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 to add it uh, another one is just to uh, the goal right now for me is to make the second round um uh, i if that can happen then i am i'm going to be happy of course but i'll be thrilled if they go even further so uh it's just going to be good all around um, you know, because they deserve it. I mean, I, I did not see this, and I know I I, I might have trashed a little bit at the beginning of the year because they didn't make any Just moves hold on, and so hold on. I'm,
2: a little bit.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to. You I know, think I had to talk. you. I'm trying try to be, to be the nice the guy, list. trying, and then
2: I'm trying to help you. I tried to talk you <laughs> off the ledge like seven times. I, I know. Think I had to direct message you so many times like, dude, you need to chill. Step
3: away from the office window. Yeah, I know no, you're gonna jump. Man. Calm down. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's for me. That I, I want to see this team go. And and Mark,
2: why do you want a healthy team? Because do they play better when they're healthy?
3: I think so. I think oh, they okay. play great. it
2: wasn't wasn't a good excuse at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Oh. yeah,
3: you uh. Okay, I'll give you that one. I will give you that one. Sure. <laughs> and a package of you're, you're, and, and a package of scotch. There you go. <laughs> your your
2: resolution is to counterpoint your last year, 2017. But, no, there's
3: three points then. A healthy playoffs and 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 to get some help on what I'm trying to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now that uh, we do have a Patreon question from our uh, friend Hollis Jackson, and it kind of goes on what you were saying, Court. Uh, if the Bruins continue on this pace, do you see them buying a Stepniak, Stanford, or a John Michael Lyles type player at the deadline, or standing pat? and for the sake of the rebuild i'm saying i'm saying stay pat just like you said and just like ty anderson said in uh, his uh Brewing's new year's resolution that he released today don't make any moves this is oh, great I, I, I didn't even
2: see that so i feel like oh go, ch- him, go check go check it out no oh, no no but remember if you saw i put in the facebook group the other day i was like stand pat that was my whole thing yep. like please stop it people do not make any trades. If you can bring in a guy like Stafford and you give up nothing like you did in that trade, like I I respect you, Hollis. I don't bump in Stafford with uh, Stempiak because we gave up too much for him. uh, And we gave up way too much for John Mike Bilal's. But uh, yeah, don't trade any future to bring in anybody. Like the big trade, I was talking to someone about it. I said the big trade since the cap era, since the last lockout, because someone tried to bring up the 2011 Boston Bruins, that wasn't that was before the last lockout. Since the last lockout, a big trade doesn't equal Stanley Cup. The teams stand pat, win the Cup. Right. They do minor trades. Those are the teams that win the Cup. New York Rangers trying to make the big trade every year, nothing happens. Washington Capitals, can't make it past the second round. Pittsburgh Penguins, the last two years, minor trades. They just filled holes, if need be. Otherwise, they did nothing.
3: And Spencer?
4: Yeah, I, I I'm with you guys. I, I'm kind of you kind of hit all the points. I think court Court's right in the fact that you don't want to to make a big move in in the middle of the season. I think those are reserved for the off season. Uh, and the GMs who have figured that out are the ones that are successful. Um, I, I think that it messes too much with. Uh, and as a stats guy, this pains me uh, with chemistry. It, it I I think it, I think it it really really does. Mess with chemistry, you need the full season to really work out your lines, and to work out how each other plays, and to understand what you can trust your teammates with, and I think that's a big problem people run into when they're making these trade deadline in moves, where... You're bringing in a complete unknown. You don't know how it's going to play in the locker room. You don't know how it's going to – holy crap, I am turning myself away from stats. What is going on? Yeah, I'm um, <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've been laughing in my head the whole time. Like, we should see God. the yeah, same this, psychiatrist. This, this is so bizarre. Um, yeah, no, it's – I really do think that it. you can't make that massive move. And for the Bruins, what are you going to make a move for? Where Where's the hole right now that you need?
2: Oh, supposedly it, it's it'd different. be a different. Supposedly,
4: uh, it'd be a different story if you had a guy that was out for the rest of the season with an injury. Then I could see making a move, but you don't, so don't touch it, please, Don. Don't touch it. Oh. Don't listen to Cam. We've had don't this conversation.
3: We've had this conversation, Don. Yeah, like
4: seriously.
3: <laughs> I Tom love that. It's
2: extremely smart. Um, I, I was saying it's unfortunate Vegas is playing so well. So I was saying to Mark a couple of weeks ago. That Cassidy and Don Sweeney should be up for individual awards, but it, right now it's Gerard Gallant oh. for the, uh, the Jack Adams and uh, George McPhee for the, uh, the GM of the Year. It's, I don't uh, think I don't, know, but, I don't know. To- about
4: George McPhee. I, I I'd say he uh, give it to
2: two th- players from the Boston Bruins. Well, one player he robbed.
4: You, he picked I think, up
2: Malcolm Subban. That was a great move.
4: I think you need to to give the GM of the Year award to the 30 NHL GMs not named George McKee, for <laughs> winning the Golden Knights season. Because yeah, they knew this was coming, cause... and they still screwed it up.
2: <laughs> like the one thing I have the caveat for uh, to, for Sweeney to win GM of the Year, his this team right now is all the guys that drafted, the, the young guys that are playing right now that are helping this team win.
3: Yeah, everything's starting to come to fruition about his effort to replenish the the uh, prospect pool, and and it's exciting to see it's finally here. And I think a lot of people are are definitely on board with it um spencer we pretty much answered your uh your uh, patreon question pretty much throughout the whole show i really apologize for that and i uh, want to thank you for your donation as well
4: yeah it's it's not a problem i i just thought I, I feel bad when you guys get to the end of the show and you guys are like oh there's no patreon questions this week so i figured I, i'd toss a few in there once in a while just to give you give you something to talk about um right. but yeah no it, I, i'm I, I figured that that was going to happen. I'm not really bothered by it. Not a big
3: deal. You're the man. Um, and, and and in case anybody out there does want to get in part of this and, and, and get questions in with the highest priority, uh, please go to patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast and donate as little as a dollar per show, $4 a month. Uh, it really helps us uh, pay the bills. Uh, this is a labor of love and, and it comes out of our pocket, so Um, but, uh, with that, I want to end the show, um, and say thank you very much to Spencer. Please follow him on Twitter at puck nerd. Uh, is that puck nerd hockey?
4: Yeah, it's at puck nerd hockey. some, some, some guy has puck nerd already taken. Okay. Uh, he's killing me and please really really throwing it off for me.
3: (laughs) And please follow him and subscribe to his videos. They're fantastic. He does a really good job. Um, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, happy New Year! We hope that you you I um, have a safe um, upcoming year. Um, you can listen to us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iHeart Radio, um, and also please please uh, stick up, stick with us because I'm interviewing uh, Rogers TV color analyst uh, Craig. Eagles is making his uh, second appearance on the show today to talk about Cedric Pare who plays for the Saint John Sea Dogs and the 2017 sixth-round Boston Bruins draft pick, and he's been playing very well. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, uh, either after my prospect update or before. Well, I'll figure that out. But uh, definitely check it out. Craig is a great follow, and uh, he does a great job up in the Quebec League. So again thank you very much happy new year to everybody and thanks again for the support for another awesome season and we look forward to bringing you uh some more hopefully quality content in the, in the next uh next 12 months so uh have a great week and uh, talk soon hey everyone's fans as mentioned earlier in our uh, 78th episode um i mentioned that i have a special guest uh, he's, he is a uh, rogers tv color analyst Uh, a writer for Inside the Q, and a New Brunswick regional scout for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, He's my go-to guy for not only Bruins-related prospects, but uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in general, and he should be your follow, too, for anything that's on his mind about hockey to the north. Uh, Please follow him at Eags37. Craig Eagles, welcome back, my friend. How are you?
0: Well, uh, happy New Year to you, Mark, and uh, thanks for having me back.
3: Yeah, I'm wicked excited to talk to you because there have been um, some uh, uh, changes going on in in St. John that I want to touch on. But uh, first and foremost, uh, how was your holiday season with your family?
0: Holiday season was uh, phenomenal. Uh, Traveled uh, up to the northern part of the province uh, on Boxing Day uh, with my in-laws. Had uh, stayed there until uh, uh, two days ago, came back. Uh, new year's uh here at the uh, at the house and um, you know spend it with uh, some special people and of course uh dig Christmas at my parents' place who live uh, locally as well so a great holiday season
3: awesome that's really that's really cool um, and a happy new year to you and your family and I hope nothing but the best
0: well thank you same to you
3: uh, um, let's get right right into it and just talk about the uh the St John Sea Dogs and their, their season so far. It's been a bit of an unfortunate year. Um with after winning the President's Cup uh last season and, and going to the Memorial Cup uh and, and being a member of the, uh, the, the the teams that were involved in that last season. To come into this year uh with high expectations, I would I would think, and then just kind of um ride the bottom of the uh, the league uh, uh, from the start of the season till now um, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, uh, the Bruins uh, prospect later but what what happened
0: well that that's a great question and then there's a lot of people in the port city right now kind of you know they knew it was going to be a rebuild uh, not necessarily a quiet rebuild um, but I, I personally mark there was a lot of talk around trading Valeno and I personally, you know, wrote an article. Trevor Georgie, he's uh, great, you know, he's great to the media, president and general manager of the St. John Sea Dogs told me in August that Valeno was not going anywhere. They named him captain and they were going to to you know, get through this season and there were aspirations to to host in 2019 as well. So that went south in a hurry um they tried to kind of build around Valeno they have you know Salda uh, Radim Salda he's a great defenseman reminds me a lot of uh, Zaboral. he's playing the World Juniors right now and they have uh Obstap uh, Safin Sa- uh, Edmonton Oiler draft pick high expectations for 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 Safin and he's put up good numbers but he's a perimeter player, Mark, and you can't win in this league if you're if you're stuck on the perimeter. As far as Valeno, they just decided to to move him. They got a a, a bounty in return, but now it's it's all about um, rebuilding and, and drafting well. So, you know, Alex Dorio, he, he went down with injury. They brought in a twenty year old overager from a a, a goaltending perspective as a kind of a stopgap, There's been a lot of questionable decisions, um, w- with regards to personnel, um, this season. And really there's talks that they were going to, um, kind of go after cam ask you. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, familiar with cam Boston mass native put up solid numbers here in Moncton, solid numbers in Schwinnigan. And they, they had an open 20 year old spot. I would have loved to see Askew play on the right side with Valeno. They couldn't get that deal done, and now Askew is is moved to uh, Charlottetown, which he's going to have an impact there.
3: Yeah, I just saw and, it, I just saw the uh, the article um, that you posted on Twitter about Askew.
0: Yeah, it, it's he's going to have a big impact, and and as a twenty year old, he's going to a team that that's kind of like the Vegas Knights of of the Quebec League. People had Charlottetown. Finishing dead last, and they're in the heat of things. So, but g- getting back to St. John, Mark, it, it's really they've done it before. They've had success with it uh, in the past, rebuilding. But now they just have to they have to execute, and that's a lot harder than it than it appears. And you got to have eyes and in all the rinks and make sure that you you draft well, which they've had they've done in the past. So, um, but anyway. It, it is what it is in Saint John, but as far as Pare's development and ascension to the number one center role, that's um, really the the turning point in uh, I think Pare's career right now.
3: Well, he's he's definitely taken the um, the promotion very well, um, and uh, I I I always follow you and what you say, and I also do my own research on on Bruins prospects, as as you know. Um, I'm a diehard about learning about younger players and, and getting listeners and readers uh, of Bruins Nation to know about these kids now, so when they come into the league, they're not surprised as they were when a player like Brad Marchand came in and said, you know, oh, this little guy. Why can't they bring up a you know a bigger guy? But it, right. it's it's more important now with the with the with technology at at its stage right now that people are learning more from people like you and myself. So. But when it comes down to Cedric, uh, and he was a 2017 6 round pick, um, right the day before or day after that trade, and he went up to that first line, he started producing, and he went on a six game span of at least a point a game. Yeah, now,
0: and i I covered the uh, the Sea Dogs and and Acety Bathurst uh, Titan game, and he was solid like the kids really embraced it sure he was uh, he was their their second line center at the start of the season but he wasn't and he he was seeing power play time on the first unit but now he's really embraced that role and and uh, my last article that I wrote on him Josh Dixon their their new uh, head coach really high praise for for Cedric's game and, and development on and off the ice and I think you can point to that as a big, big plus right now for the Boston Bruin organization.
3: Yeah, and, and the Bruins are are in a great, great uh, time right now because a lot of their 2015 draft picks are now coming into the into the system um, and, and making Sweeney look like a genius. But a lot of teams nowadays, they find those gems in the late rounds. And, and just by from following you, since the um the Bruins picked Paré, um, I, do you see him? And I know I asked you about this before, but now that he's got a higher role, um, and more confidence from Josh Dixon, which you mentioned as a, as a first year Saint John Sea Dog coach, um, do you see him? I, I know you mentioned last time you were on, you saw him as a fourth, or third line center in the in the future of the Bruins. Do you see yep. him any higher, or is still the same?
0: Still, still the same. I I'm projecting him as a solid two way center, an energy player that can kill penalties, that can win key faceoffs, and you know I I see him. You know I was telling a buddy of mine uh, who came down from the northern part of the province, and we caught the game, Sea Dogs game yesterday with the, the Moncton Wildcats. Pare looked awesome. They they just couldn't generate any offense uh, yesterday, but. You know, he played some, uh, my, my buddy played some some junior B hockey with Nathan Horton, believe it or not, in uh, in Thorold. And Steve said right away that, wow, this, this kid can play. You know what I mean? And he, he hadn't seen him play before, maybe once. But, you know, he, he stands out not offensively. He's not flashy, Mark, but he's, he gets the job done. And... You know, talking with uh, uh, Alan Bissonnette, the the Bruins scout, they're they're very happy. I think with with the progression that this kid's made over the last year and a half. You know, he's really rededicated himself to fitness, like we talked about before, and he's starting to to mature into the player that that he can be. Honestly, and this is what I told my buddy leaving the rink. It's going to take about two, maybe three or four years. I would say three years, um, where you know he's going to be pushing for a spot. You know, if he if the progression continues, if he works on his skating, gets a little bit more explosive, um, I think he, he he's going to be a good third line centerman at the next level.
3: Yeah, and out of the thirty some odd games that the the team has played so far, and, and that he's been involved, I probably watched maybe uh, twelve to fifteen of them. Uh, more now that he's his um, offensive numbers are kind of picked up with, with that new role. But what I've really noticed is his persistence on and off the puck, and and, yeah. and that strong two way game that you mentioned. Um, is, is, is he also, uh, and I know even though this is a second full season in the queue, but do you see um, a leadership a role coming out of him too as, as him kind of mentoring some of the younger guys that are um, are, are in the uh, St. John system as they go through this rebuild?
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and I'm sure a lot of teams are probably kicking tires. Now, I've asked the you know, some sources about that. And they've said, yeah, the teams are kicking tires. And and believe it or not, Mark, teams kicked tires last year on on trying to acquire this kid because they they knew the ceiling. And, you know, with limited uh, game action and time on ice, you know, he played in 64 games. That's a lot of games for, you know, last season uh, for a young kid. But he didn't see the ice a lot. So, you know, he's 16 points in, in 64 games. People are like, well, why the heck did the Bruins draft him? Well, he's a project, but he has a ceiling to his game, and he hasn't got there yet. And it's he's got a really promising career, I think, ahead of him. And as far as a leadership role, yeah, definitely. And you can see that. You can see that on the ice. He's, he's more confident, and, uh, you know, bottom line is, um i would you know this year this time next year this kid is going to move to a contender in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League if Saint John can't rebuild quickly they're going to move him next season as as a 19 and you know if he goes to a contender next year and the Memorial Cup is in the Maritime you know only two teams have have applied for it right now, Halifax and Moncton, um, to ho- to host it. Then, you know, there's a good chance that that Pare might be making the trek to either of those uh, two cities or to another contending Quebec Major Junior Hockey League team.
3: And and what kind of um, opportunity would that bring to a player like Pare? Is it is it is it would it be pressured or or just the, um live the moment. This is kind of like the dream in this league. Well, I
0: personally and I told my buddy this on the drive home yesterday that right now if if I'm the Boston Bruins um and I'm looking at Pare, you know, a late round draft pick, I'm you know really happy with his progression, but I'm I'm more pleased that he's getting opportunities in every situation and is getting getting touches with the puck on the power play killing penalties 5 on 5 situations and he's playing top against top line guys in the league so he's really working on both sides of his the puck right now and the kid he he's responded and you know jokingly i saw him after uh, one of the games where he went off for two goals or uh, a goal and two assists here in Moncton recently uh, with an overtime victory for the dogs. And I said, listen, Cedric, man, he, he, I'll keep writing articles if you keep scoring. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a real good kid. And, um, you know, he, he's a quiet, shy kid, but um, he, he's, he's doing his talking on the ice this year.
3: Yeah, I, I, I know I know that the, the shy type you, you're explaining because I, I, I met him. Uh, at development camp in uh, early July of this year. I'm sorry, of 2017. And uh, he was hanging out with DeBrusque and um, Zach Sennishin. And those three were outside waiting for an Uber. And I just casually went over and just, I shook all the hands and I just said, you know, congrats on where you are and and best of luck in the upcoming season. And uh, what a fantastic uh, guy. And like you said, he was very shy. Um, And I didn't quite understand lot what he was saying but um, I did understand thank you and um, um, you know I I think that he was very pleased about the reception that I gave instead of having just a person with a Sharpie and a a picture uh, you know I'm not that type of person I'm I'm there to cover the team so but I also want to wish him well because uh, what I saw from him at development camp was uh, a tremendous amount of skill set and attributes uh, a, a future developing player um really has and he's got a, a nice package to work work on but like you said it's a it's a project it, it, this is the three or four year uh term that you're going to see him but there's a lot of good things to look at and when i saw him um on one-on-ones two-on-ones three-on-twos um he kind of reminded me of a pass first type of player um always looking he's not very you know He's not always the guy that w- wants to take the puck and shoot it. Uh, he's, he's more of a, a team player and wants to create an opportunity for a teammate. But that is just development camp. That's not game time situation. And pretty much that's why I always go to you because you are more or less an inside um, with the eye test than, than I do when I stream games. But he does. He's got a lot of really good things that he can work on and be a solid pro in the future. And I'm excited to not only continue to watch him uh, with St. John's or, or any team that he's involved in. As long as he's a Bruins prospect, I will be t- keeping tabs on him. But um, I, I, just, I just like the way the Bruins have been picking lately, and they haven't been doing it. Uh, Don Sweeney has, has, has come from a, um, a player development role into a general manager. Uh, obviously, Wayne, uh, Wayne Gretzky's brother, Brent, went to Edmonton. And now Scott Bradley is like the head of scouting, so and I think he's done a great job too. So, but they're finding those players that they're not addressing um, best now players. They are looking at positional players as they go into a slow rebuild themselves.
0: Exactly, and and we're we're seeing, you know, the, the Bruins right now accomplish some great things um, with you know, injecting youth in, in their lineup. So, you know, at, at, he's turning 19 and on the 24th of January at 22 or 23, like I said, this kid's going to be pushing for, for a spot. And again, if he continues to work on his skating and right now his skating, if you ask anyone, his skating is, you know, might, might be holding him back. Um, Slightly, but he's worked on that, and you can work on that. But, Mark, I'll tell you, he gets to the center of the ice a lot. He gets to the dirty areas. He's more physical on the puck this year than he was last year. He's making things uh, happen on the power play because he's a pass-first type of guy. You know, and it's just about him getting touches and... And feeling some confidence offensively, and he's got a tremendous shot, but he doesn't get it off a lot because he's he's trying to defeat to other guys, you know Saffin's been on his left side quite a bit this year.
3: well that guy's fast
0: uh, he is fast, but he's a perimeter player like yeah. i've been saying I've been saying all year the kid's six foot five, he hasn't got to the net yet yeah, right when he figures that out. You know, Edmonton's going to come off looking like geniuses, too, if he figure, figures it out. You know, he, he's a dry sidle type player. Wow. Um, yeah, he's got that skill. But he, he just has to get to the net. And as far as Valeno is concerned, when Valeno was playing with Paré, there's some good chemistry there. And um, But, yes, yeah, Cedric thinks the game well. He makes good decisions with the, uh, the puck. But it, it's his one-on-one play below the hash marks defensively that has really really improved and he he doesn't back down you know he's relentless and you know like I wrote in the last last article he's relentless on on the process of you know you can see it in his eyes he wants to be a pro and you know say what you want to say you know late round late round selections you gotta want it. You gotta want to get th- to the next level. Some guys, you know, six, seven round. Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm drafted. I'm happy with it. You know, I'll, I'll try it, but it is what it is. Cedric wants it, and you can see that.
3: Uh, that's fantastic news. Um, yeah, with with Villano being traded to Drummondville, and and they got three picks, and and it's not consecutive. Those are year to year picks. Um do you if if um if Cedric does stay in St. John's and is is part of what they're trying to do um yep. and these three new picks come in and are inserted into the, into the lineup and 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 when you get first round picks up there you're getting something special um definitely because the yep. scout I mean you guys up there you you know how to scout you, you uh, the kids are born and bred into the game they're you know ready to go 14 15 years old it's 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 a special time for these these kids and um, but with that being said and 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 talking about Cedric's leadership um, would it be in the best interest to like sell him off to create more of that rebuild or keep him for not only his skill set that you know, obviously he needs to work on his skating but to also uh, use some of that leadership for some of these younger kids that are coming in. Well,
0: personally, I think if he sticks, sticks around next year, they'll, they'll put a, a letter on and it might be a C, you know, he he's there moving forward right now. He's going to be their first line center and, and you don't necessarily trade that asset away. And if they do trade that asset away in the next Uh, two or three days here the the trade period is still open uh, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League whoever is going to to you know acquire Cedric if it happens this year is going to have to overpay because St. John clearly don't want to move him this year now if they start the season like you said with you know the three picks or and they they hit a, a home run with their their first round pick and and you know he's a first-line center-type kid, which they need as far as you know offense is, is concerned because they don't score. That's the problem. They don't score goals. You know everyone said, "Oh, we need a defenseman." Well, no, you need a a, a goal scorer. And I thought personally, if they brought Cam Askew in, Cam probably would have scored 25 or 30 um, throughout the the remainder of the season playing along uh, alongside Valeno. So they might not have moved Valeno, if they would have acquired Askew and those two had some chemistry. So, but yeah, I I think, you know, I see Cedric growing in in that role, and you know it's a logical choice putting a C on on his uh, on his jersey next year. It really is.
3: Yeah, you're talking about the uh, scoring goals problem, and I'm looking at the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League stats. And uh, they've got 101 goals, which is actually the lowest in the league. Um, uh, I believe Schoenigan has one more goal at 102. Yeah. And uh, that that's that's something that uh, definitely needs to be addressed. And, and something that is kind of shocking for me after following this team all the way to the Memorial Cup last season. And obviously a lot of, had to do with uh, Joe Valeno being a part of that team. But, um, you know... To get back to where you need to go, you have to have uh, a cast of characters uh, behind somebody like Valeno, even though he's gone, to step it up and work hard. And, and just from what you've been saying and what I've been reading from your articles, uh, Pire is, is not a joke. He's something that uh, is definitely going to be a, a key asset in the uh, developing youth of this Bruins organization. So something to look forward to.
0: Definitely. And, you know, he's, he's played so well... At, in all three zones, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes when with the puck. And when if he does make that mistake, he's not going to make it the second time. And the only time where he struggles is when he's trying to do too much. And you can't, you know, fault a kid, an 18-year-old veteran on a, on a young roster t- for trying too hard. Mark, right? He tried to force a pass on the power play yesterday because they're there they needed a power play goal he tried to force it you know those are the mistakes the kid makes but defensively he, he he's very very solid and you know when i look at the dot the, the kid owns it every game you know he really takes a lot of pride in the dot and you know he's a prototypical type Bruin player he really is he's not going to go score you uh 15 or 20 goals you know if he chips in he he might score you 5 at the next level but it's what he does and the intangibles that he brings defensively that's going to win you hockey
3: games so my this is a two part question for you even though he looks like Patrice Bergeron (laughs) does he have similar um, comparables to Patrice
0: Ooh, that's a tough question.
3: <laughs> I'm just going. I'm going by the looks, and then you tell me about the talent. <laughs> uh,
0: um, arguably, I, I I had the pleasure of interviewing Brad Marchand in um, in 2016, and and I asked him, what is it like, you know, looking to the center of the ice and seeing one of the under, you know, the most underrated centermen in the league? And Brad answered. He said, I don't think he's underrated anymore. Well, if you ask anyone in the National Hockey League that follows the league, you ask them, who's the best centerman in the league? Right. They're not going to say Patrice Bergeron. They should be saying Patrice Bergeron, but they're not going to. You know, oh, well, Sidney Crosby, and, and rightfully so. But Bergeron is never at the top of that list. He should be. In my opinion, he is the best all round centerman at the National Hockey League level, hey Selkie, right?
3: Absolutely, four of them. And, you know, he tied Bob Gainey for that, so right. that's something to so, be very impressed impressed by.
0: Right now, as far as looking like Patrice, <laughs> yes. As far as um, chipping in offensively and doing, um, you know, the other characteristics that uh, thirty-seven brings to your lineup, I don't think. I don't think so. Right. Um, but there are similarities in the amount of pride and detail that this kid um, takes with regards to the game. And, um, you know, that, that's important to, to me, seeing a, an 18-year-old kid now turning 19 that really focuses on the, the little things of the game, like face-offs, like... Defensive positioning, um, accountability in all three zones, um, and and really thinking the game, Mark. And and this kid does think the game. So, you know that right now at eight, at eighteen, um, you know at eighteen, Bergeron was in the National Hockey League, right? Yep. So, and you know Cedric's got a way a way to go, a long ways to go to to get to that level. But you know we're. Let's face it, Mark. We're talking about, you know, a future Hall of Famer in in Patrice Bergeron. Let, let's be realistic. Oh yeah. You know, the, the kid's a Hall of Famer in the making.
3: Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, just uh, I'm I'm looking at your um, your Twitter handle and the number. Are you are you a huge Bergeron fan, or is that uh, that number um, go back a ways? Uh,
0: no, that number does not go back a ways. Uh, I wore two growing up because my brother wore two we were both good uh, stay at home defensemen and I wore seven uh, when I played in, uh, at the high school ranks uh, wore two you know, playing provincial hockey all the way through um, that, is, that 37 is, is for the man <laughs>
3: nice that's awesome <laughs> and, I,
0: and I am a, a very very big fan of Patrice Bergeron met him on a few occasions um, just, a he's a class act, uh, very giving to the fans. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if you, you read, read it or not, but in 2009, I actually went down, um, with my, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my fiance and now my wife. And, uh, we went down, caught a uh, Bruins game and, and I went to their uh, practice facility, the old one, Rusticchia and.
3: Yeah, in Wilmington, uh, Mass., yep.
0: Yep, great. Hey, got some relatives down there. My my uh, brother's uh, in-laws, uh, kind of, or a re- relative, my my uh, sister-in-law's uncle lived, lives down there. Nice. In God's country. Hey, Wilmington, God's country. I'll tell you. <laughs> there was a lot of speculation around that pra- practice facility leading up to that point because it fell on the trade, trade deadline day, and... You know, so Patrice rolls in. I think he was with his brother. His brother went across the road to Dunkin' Donuts. Um, And so I asked, I said, Patrice, you don't mind taking a picture for me with me? Hey, no problem. You could see how nervous this kid was. You know, Um, there's speculation that he was going to get moved in 2009.
3: Wow.
0: And that was the buzz around that rink. And. They go out on the same day, you know. We're driving back from Boston, and I'm listening to the sports hub or one of the, the you know, the sports channels down there, and it comes across the airwaves that they acquired Mark Recchi for Matt Lashoff and Martin's Carsoms. Carson's. Carson's yep. played played locally with the Moncton Wildcats
3: from Tampa Bay, and I it, yeah. it, I was actually I was actually gonna ask you about this but you're segueing perfectly into it um just because if if anybody wants to uh, um, go to uh craig's uh, twitter and look at his uh banner it's him interviewing mark recce um and uh i tell me about that moment when you interviewed him was he already retired or or was this pre-hall of fame
0: this this was pre Hall of Fame. It was last season. Um, Daniel Sprong had just come uh, returned to the Sheryltown uh, Islanders. He was playing well, um, just coming off a seven month layover. The last time Rucky was in Moncton to watch him play, the year the the previous year, I couldn't get to the game. Um, I think one of my kids were sick and not feeling well, so I I, I didn't it, you know I wanted to stay home. Um, I, I, I've I always been a big fan of Mark Recchi, you know, even where, when he was wearing different colored jerseys. And if you know what I mean by that, but anyway, yep. when <laughs> it was an unbelievable moment, you know, being a Bruins fan, being able to sit down with, with a, a guy that was so instrumental in bringing a cup to Boston. And uh, it, it, I, I had to hold it together on, on air. Um, but I didn't ask him any Bruins questions because, you know, he's there representing the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, a lot of the guys around the truck and around, um, he said, well, Craig, why didn't you ask him about the Bruins? Well, no, he, he's there. He's working for the Pittsburgh Penguins now as, you know, he was um, their uh, development guy with Bill, Billy Guerin, right? So yep. We, we had a good, I think it was around a three-minute uh, conversation on air. And then, Mark, I'll tell you, I don't know if you've met him, but he's a class act. Um, you know, I brought him downstairs. Other, um, CTV was there covering it and covering the game and covering Daniel, of course. And I said, Mark, you don't mind doing a uh, an interview with CTV? He said, sure, no problem, Craig. You know, and... He, he just a, a stand-up guy. We uh, we talked a, a little bit about uh, the Julian firing because that had already happened, um, and we talked we talked about Bruin stuff and, and off-camera, of course, right? But he, he just a real good guy, and you know, the hockey world, Mark is. Um, it, it's kind of a obviously, it's a big world. But it's it's a small world because when you meet some of your your hockey heroes and hockey greats, they treat the fans so well, and that's what it's all about. It's and they they get it. Mark Recchi gets it.
3: Yeah. And so. given given I mean, players like him and people like him now uh, are constantly giving back. But uh, a player like Mark Recchi. Um, gave back in 2011 and even in 2010 when he came, uh, via the trade. Um, and, and really, I, I think, in my personal opinion, molded a player like Patrice Bergeron, um, Definitely. and, and showed him what it means to be a leader on and off the ice, even though he was, he had positive vibes. This was just something that put them over the bar with, with recce being acquired and being around Patrice, um, on and off the ice so uh, you really cannot say enough about players like that um a teammate friend uh, you know co-worker whatever i mean everybody needs uh an inspiration somebody to look up to and i believe that that was such a positive positive move uh for the bruins to uh not only uh stru- structurally but integrity uh of the uh, organization and and I just, like you said, he's a class act and 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 will continue to be.
0: Well, and, and you look to, there's a, uh, on the Bruin Stanley Cup DVD, there's a scene, I don't know if it's a bonus features or not, but there's a scene where in the dressing room
3: Are you coming Rocky
0: back? And Re- Recky and, and Bergeron, you know, embrace and, yeah, exactly, are you coming back? And, yep. and Recky's like, no, I can't. Yeah. You know, this is it. And you know, you you, you talk about Recky's impact on Bergeron. I think Recky's impact on Marchand with, you know, just the way that that he played in your face clean hockey. I think Marchand had had really looked up to to Recchi as well and hey, full credit to Claude Julien and, for Brad Marchand's uh, development, right? yep but yeah it it, it's so ironic and i told recce about that story of of being down there and being so happy and my my wife looked at me and said craig like what 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 you know you're laughing out loud here what's the big deal (laughs) they they just acquired mark Recky." i said it's awesome he's gonna be great and anyway
3: look what happened
0: look what happened yeah
3: history in the making yeah All right, Craig, I've I've taken up enough of your time, and and trust me, we've gotten almost 40 40 minutes from you, and and I certainly appreciate this. Um, Please, if anybody wants to learn more about not only the Bruins prospects in the queue, uh, but um, a Bruins prospect like Cedric, please follow Craig on Twitter at EAGS37. He's a Rogers TV color analyst. And also, please read... Uh, his uh, his articles they're fantastic. I constantly share them when I can. Uh, he writes for the Inside the Queue. And uh, Craig, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you and your family. And and uh, I'd love to do this again um, at the end end time of the uh, of St. John's year to to get a, um an end of season evaluation of uh, how Cedric has taken this new role and uh, rolled with it towards the end of the year.
0: Well, Mark. Uh, thanks for for having me on again and um congratulations for all your work and uh you're doing some great stuff out of providence now it's well deserved and i don't want to steal your thunder but you're a class act keep it going and go bruins
3: awesome Craig. thank you very much everybody and uh really appreciate your time and thank you uh for listening and we'll talk to you very soon
1: JT Comfort.
2: Here's Notre Dame back the other way. Bjork
1: fires, scores! Notre Dame ties it off!
3: Picked off there by Gilbert. Taken back by Greenway. To the middle. McEvoy scores! Unloads
1: On a one-timer and it's a 3-1 lead for the Terriers.
2: Get behind the two, goal, it's 3-1 now in favor of the Greyhound. Here's Senecien, working his way out of the right wing, poked it by and he's right in, oh, with oh. oh, a goal! Zachary Senecien with a spectacular individual effort!
3: Hey guys, it's time for my Bruins prospect update for the week of December 24th to December 30th, 2017. Starting in the American Hockey League, the Providence Bruins team wrapped up the final three games of the season-long road trip last week and went two and one in the last week of 2017. The week started in Utica, New York, on Wednesday, December 27th, at Adirondack Bank Center against the Utica Comets, and the bees walked away with a four-to. 5-4 Five to four shootout victory. B's goal scorers were Jakob Spores Barker Carlson with his tenth assisted by Austin Tarnick and Kenny Agostino at the four oh nine mark of the second period to tie the score at one apiece. Jumping to the third period, Adam Perrell ties the score at two with his second goal of the season at the six twenty-eight mark, assisted by Colby Cave and Colton Hargrove. Providence forward Justin Hickman got his fourth of the year at the 940 mark of the third assisted by Chris Porter and Perel, and down to Utica by a score of four to three at the 1847 mark of the third period recently demoted Matt Bolesky got his second of the year assisted unassisted to tie the score at four to force overtime there was no scoring in the extra fame, frame which resulted in a shootout that was won from the effort of Kenny Agostino who had some quick hands and shoulder movements to fake Comets goaltender Thatcher Demko out of his skates for the 5 4 victory? Zane McIntyre got the start on the rare midweek contest and stopped 26 of 30 shots for its 11th win of the season. Stars of the game for the Bees against the Comets were Austin Zarnick with the third star and first star on as went to Jakob Voice Bracker Carlson. The second-to-last game of the road trip had the Providence team remain in the city of Utica, New York, on December 29th for another tilt against the Comets, and the Bees played much better on this night, only giving up one goal to the opposition, leading to a 3-1 victory. Bees goal scorers were defenseman Connor Clifton with his second of the season at the 4:53 mark of the first, second, sorry, first period, assisted by Zach Senishin and Kenny Agostino. Moving to the second period, with 10 seconds remaining in the middle frame, Austin Zanik that's his ninth of the year, assisted by Jordan Swartz and Agostino. The Comets would pull goaltender Richard Bachman late in the third period, but with six seconds remaining in the third frame. Anton Bleed scores an empty net goal for the sixth of the season, which was unassisted. Goaltender on loan Jordan Bennington got the start on this night, stopping 21-22 Utica shots for his ninth win of the season and seventh straight victory in a row. The 24-year-old Bennington is certainly putting in an all-star effort this season coming from the St. Louis Blues organization and should get serious recognition for his efforts in the all-star game being held in Utica this year. Jordan has a league-best goals against average of 1.59 and is ranked second with a 0.938 saves percentage. Bruins' stars of the game were Kenny Agostino with a third star and Connor Clifton with the first star. The third game of the week and final of the month-long road trip had the Providence team crossing the border into Ontario, Canada, with the contest against the new AHL franchise Belleville Senators. But unfortunately, the Bees could not hold off the pesky Suns and lost 3-2 in overtime. After the Bruins went scoreless and down 2-0 in the first period, they made a courageous effort to make a game of it with a goal from big defenseman Chris Breen, who scored his first of the season at the 1744 mark of the middle frame, assisted by Kenny Agostino and Jordan Swartz. Tying the game at two apiece at the 12-26 mark of the third period, scrappy forward Anton Bleed scored his seventh and second goal in his many nights to eventually force the two teams into overtime. Belleville would only need a minute and 47 seconds into the extra session to take advantage of the discombobulated Bruins defense, which left Bruins goaltender out high and dry to end the game and the forever long road trip zane mcintyre got the start in this night uh, night's game stopping 29 or 32 and looks to get back on track with his efforts from last season as the new 2018 calendar year has turned no factored in the three stars of the game against the sentence Providence Bruins end 2017 with a 21-8-3-0 record, earning 45 points, good for first place in the Atlantic Division and first place in the Eastern Conference. Also, the team is currently on a three-game unbeaten streak and is 7-2-1 in the last 10. Moving to the East Coast Hockey League, the Atlanta Gladiators played in three games last week and Boston Bruins' third-round pick in 2015 goaltender Dan Bledai got to see action in two of those uh, contests between the pipes the first game was at home on Wednesday December 27th when he stopped 42 of 46 shots to make taking a 4-0 shutout loss to the hands of the rival Florida Everglades and suffering his eighth loss of the year the second game of the week came on Saturday December 30th on the road against the South Carolina Stingrays and he made 27 of 30 shot saved 27 of 30 shots for a 3-1 loss and ninth defeat of the season. Vladar has now appeared in 18 games for the AAA Premier League Gladiators and has a record of 7-9-1-0, with a 3.06 goals against average and .907 save percentage. Moving over to the Ontario Hockey League, the Oshawa Generals played in two games last week after the 2017 holiday stoppage and B's prospect forward Jackson Nico was ready to get back to work with two assists at home on Thursday night, December 28th, and afforded to win over the Erie Otters. The second game of the week was on Friday night, December 29th, on the road against the Ottawa 67s, and got he got another two helpers in a 4-3 win in the ca- Canadian capital city. In 37 games played this season for the Jens, the 18-year-old 2017 B's second-round pick, Leads the club in assists and overall points with 10 goals, 27 assists, 37 numbers. Points staying with the Jens team is Bruins' goaltending prospect Kyle Keezer, who was in net for both victories last week, improving his season record to 11 6 0 with a 2.98 goals against average and 0.901 save percentage. With the two wins last week, the Bruins free agent signing from Coral Springs, Florida is now on a four-game winning streak. To the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Saint John Sea Dogs appeared in three games last and three games after the holiday break, and Bruins prospect center Pare factored in two of the three contests. The 2017 6th round B's draft pick Scored a goal at home against Cape Breton on Thursday night, December 28th, and added an assist on Friday night, December 29th, at home against Markton to get his season career-high point streak to six games. Unfortunately, that impressive streak was snapped against rival Markton, this time on the road when the top six forward failed to get on the score sheet to end the 2017 year. Heading over to the Western Hockey League, the Brandon Wheat Kings played in four games after the mandated holiday break last week. And Bruins' 2017 seventh round pick Daniel Bukak manned the blue line in all of of those games. The big defenseman who had offseason surgery returned to action at the beginning of December last year. And after going pointless in his first six contests of the 2017-18 season... He has an assist in three of the four games last week and is currently on a two-game point streak. Heading over to the NCAA Men's Hockey, Harvard University's Ryan Donato continues to have his best year in the college ranks, scoring a point per game in all of the 2017-18 games. Returning to action after almost a month off, the talented forward got back to work offensively when his Crimson team appeared in the Catamount Cup Holiday Tournament that was held in Burlington, Vermont. The first cup game was against Hockey East UMass Lowell Riverhawks on Friday night, December 29th, where he scored a goal in a 5-2 loss, but was explosive in the second game on Saturday, December 30th against the host and Hockey East conference Vermont catamounts where he scored three goals and added an assist to extend his point streak to 12 games the 2014 Bruins draft pick leads the team with 12 goals 8 assists 20 points and is ranked 39th in scoring in the country and going to the 2018 World Junior Championship tournament held in Buffalo New York uh, until January 5th, uh, six Bruins prospects are playing in the popular under-20 tournament and about halfway point uh, of the festivities. Um, uh, out of the six uh, Bruins prospects that are there for Team USA, defenseman Ryan Lindgren has played in four point four games so far and has no points. Forward Trent Frederick has played in four games and has one goal. Uh, goaltender Jeremy Swayman has not played as of yet. Uh, Jake Ottinger and Jared Wall, uh, the two goaltenders in front of him, so if something happens to happen, uh, I think he'll get in. Uh, for Team Finland, big surprise here. Um, forward Juna Kompanen has uh, got four games under his belt and has had three goals uh, and one assist. Uh, First-round pick in 2017, defenseman Jero Vakinenin, uh has four games and has one assist and for team sweden forward oscar Steen has played in four games has a goal and assist for two points and that my friends is the uh, bruins prospect uh, update for the week of december 24th to the 30th 2017 uh happy new year
1: tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277 at courtlalonde and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blog at gmail.com.